Phil Parr. Welcome to this week's edition of a little show called Blind Like Me. And it's good to have you with us. It's good to have uh, Martha uh, Sargent. Don't call her Martha Stewart with us from Austin, Texas. How are you, hon? I'm good. But you don't like to be called Martha Stewart because you ain't. That's right, I ain't. You ain't. Well, <laughs> one guy found that out, didn't he, huh? Yeah. Found that out the hard way. Do I hear clocks going off in the background? What do I hear? Oh, yes. Uh, it's just about done. Yeah, I it'll... Think that's the last one. I think that's the last one. You, you, so you have all those clocks in your house uh, set kind of to, together to go off together? Well, not exactly together uh, because I like... Um, the ones I like to hear really well are the bird clock... And so I have them set a little behind so I can hear them separately. You don't have a striking a, a striking clock of any kind? Oh, yes. I have, uh, what, two or three of those. Two or three of those. But I think well, they've already uh, done yeah. their thing for this hour. I spend most of my time synchronizing my clocks because it drives me crazy if they don't <laughs> all go off together. Isn't, and that's just dumb, isn't it? Well, that, uh, no, uh, we're all who we are. I guess so. And, we're, and I mean, if that's your thing, then synchronize your clock. I, I can't decide if that's a blindism or if, uh, I don't know, um, I'm just a real anal retentive, but then there are sighted people who are, too. There, this is true. This is true. Now, you, um, we. the reason you called me is because I did something for Newsreel, and you had graduated, and a lot of people know this, with uh, that I had a brother named Wallace, and you graduated with uh, with Wallace Eugene Parr. Yes. And that's the reason you called me, because you had some, some Wallace stories to tell me. And that's how we be, kind of became acquainted, right? Yes. And uh, you, uh, you, uh, do you do things for Newsreel, or do you just subscribe, or do you... Do you no, I've had articles on Newsreel occasionally. Contribute a little bit? Yeah. Well, we won't, uh, we won't tell your age, but uh, let me just say this. I'm uh, low 60s, and Wallace was a few years older than me. So you've been living a while, haven't you? Yes. Uh, and you, you started out to where you where, where were you born? I was born in um, Floyd County, Texas, which is up near the Panhandle. Floyd County. Yes. I, I've never heard of it. What? Is there any city there that we would? We would uh, no, the county seat is Floyd Ada, which was named for okay. people Floyd and Ada Price, who were the original settlers. Floyd and Ada. And the town is small. It's farm country, and my parents farmed for a living. I thought Floyd Ada was on the on the way to El Paso. Was well, uh, I guess you could get to El Paso yeah. from there, but it's way further north than uh, than El Paso. Yeah. Do you are you familiar with a singer, a country singer named Don Williams? Oh yes. Don Williams was born and raised in Floyd Ada. That's right. That's Floyd Ada is closer to Plainview and Lubbock. Well, if that means anything. Oddly enough, when I was uh, I was in my mid forties, casting about for something to do, there was a radio station for sale in Floydata, Texas, and I considered buying it and moving out there. I'm really glad now I didn't, but uh, it uh, we I talked to the, the chamber of commerce out there, and, and we we talked about you when know, would they would they be receptive to me, and uh, they said, oh they just come on, we'd love to have you, but of course I'd starve to death out there, wouldn't I? Probably, Probably because. <laughs> There's not that many businesses that would have advertised on the radio. Yeah, it'd be it'd be hard. It'd be a labor of love. Kind of it like, would. Kind of like You'd this, have to have um, probably yeah. another income. Did you? Because that little radio station was set up by two two people who basically wanted a 
civic endeavor. Uh-huh. They had a lot of local programming, local news, local talent. Um, they had, for example, the hospital patients listed every day. Yeah. They had the obituaries every day. It was that kind of an endeavor, mostly. Well, that's what radio stations, of course, that's what they did back then. I mean, yeah. and, and, and so you knew about this radio station, Florida. Well, it's it's off the air now. It's uh, it didn't survive. It's, yeah, it's been gone for a while. They uh, they tried to get me to come out there and put it back on. Anyway, so you were born there. Was your family uh, did they farm? Yes. And and uh, what did you do on the farm as a little girl? Well, um, part of my childhood was during World War Two, and help was hard to find. And when um, it was harvest season, my mom either drove a truck or worked in the field. And I babysat my little brother. Yeah. That was my contribution. That relieved her of having to do that. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and you were, you're, I think we forgot to ask her, you're totally blind? Yes. And and we're born this way? Yes. Um, so you've been fighting this thing a, a day or two. A day or two, So yeah. you, you, you babysat your brother, your mama went and drove the tractor, no air conditioned, hot as it could be in the summertime. That's right. We opened up all the doors and windows and, and, uh. Well, one thing about that country is that there's a lot of wind, so there was almost always a breeze. Yeah, I guess that's true, but in the summertime, that breeze was just hot, a blast of hot air, basically, wasn't it? Basically, yeah. it was. And uh, so you babysat, and at some point in time, they decided that they needed to, to school you in some way. So, Oh, I started to school at age six. To, to what school? The Texas School for the Blind. Well, they sent you away at age six to the Texas School for the Blind. Yes, and it's a residential school. Boy, so isn't it? Basically, I was only home summers and Christmas vacation. Yeah, because it, it's a long way from Austin to Florida, folks. It uh, is. It about, was, oh, it's a good seven or eight hour drive. Yeah, and uh, um, would, at that time, there may have been a bus or something, probably was a bus you could have taken. Uh, my uh, dad wouldn't let me do that because you had to change at least three times. Yeah. And he had long layovers, and somebody had told him a horror story about a child spending the night in the bus station, and the the attendant for the bus station just locked up the place and went home and left his kid there. Yeah. And he said, that ain't going to happen to my kid. We're not going to let that happen to, uh, to right. Martha. Well, I don't blame him. Uh, you know, you can't. He was pr- being protective of his little daughter, and and you can't blame him. For the, he came and got you at, at Christmas and took you back. Yes. And... Uh, in an, in an old Model A or something? An old no, we had, um, well, let's see. I don't remember the first car, but I know one of the cars we had was a, the first one that we had with um, gear shift on the steering wheel was a 41 Chevrolet. Yeah, that's about the time they started putting the gear shift on the steering wheel. Yeah. And then, uh, after 41, they didn't make any cars in 42 and 43 and 44, did they? Right, so we because, drove that uh, one for a while. You, you had to. So uh, so there you were, off at the blind school in Cottage uh, K. Yeah. Uh, with uh, probably Miss uh, Miss uh, uh, Bratton was there. As a house mother. She was yes. the house mother. Yes. And she lived in that back room back there. Yes. Between the, between the dormitories. Yes. And I don't know who was up front. Miss Young was Miss Young up well, front. Miss Young was the boys' house mother, and Miss Bratton was the girls' with house. The mother. girls. 
And so you started there in, uh, I guess, the early 40s. or 1938. 1938. Good heavens. Texas School for the Blind, 1938. Yes. Had to be worse then than it did, and I came in 46. Well, it was different. It was, um, you know, I didn't like the setup, and after my parents left, I had a major temper tantrum that's probably legendary at that place. <laughs> I did a lot of crying. I don't know if well, I threw it, it too much. Well, it involved crying and, and foot stamping and screaming at people, I'm not going to do this. And uh, My God, you were going to do it. I, well, I remember thinking that my parents weren't there to tell me I should be nice. So I could pull out all the stops and just see what, a, what size tantrum I could produce. And I did. Yeah. But to no avail. Uh, you still had to go back there when they told you to, when they rang that bell for Group 1. You had to go back and take your bath. And Well, alphabetically, my initials, my name began with an S, so I was in Group 5. You were, so you were I late. I had to hope that yeah. people before me cleaned the tub good. <laughs> what was your maiden name, by the way? Sanders. You were Martha Sanders, in case anybody's listening that might. Uh, and there might be some folks that listening that might remember you from the... Uh, School Probably. for the Blind. So that that was it was a rude awakening. I had the same thing eight years later, but they taught you how to make your bed and took you down to that dining room and fed you every morning and lunch and and your classes were, as I remember, they were right there in that same building, weren't they? Yes, they were. Miss Biggs was my first teacher, and uh, I actually loved Miss Biggs. I did I really too. did. She taught me something that has served me well as a teacher which was how to be firm without being unkind. Now, do, do, do that one more time, how to do what? To be, be firm uh-huh. and, and like if, you know, to get a kid to do something. Sure, without being unkind. Right. Uh, she was that. She was, a, she was a, a lovely lady. I loved her. Uh, she, she, one of the things Miss Biggs did, and we can kind of parallel here, Miss Biggs loved music, and she liked to play music for you. Uh, so she would, I don't remember if she played the piano. I believe they got someone from the main she building. She played with one finger. Yeah. And the person who played the piano for singing at the time I was there was Miss Bertie King. Bertie was also blind, and that was my first introduction to a guide dog. Uh, you know, I do remember that. I, I do. She was. She maybe came a year after I was there, but she retired. She was older lady. She retired shortly after I got there. But I do remember her, and she did have a sing eye dog, didn't she? Yes, she did. And uh, she was younger when I um, started to school, and she introduced us and actually let us pet her dog. And I decided right then. Hey, music is not a bad thing. I could teach music, yeah. and I'm definitely going to have a guide dog. And, and, and I you, decided that at age six. And you did both. You, yes. You taught music and got a guide dog. So oh. Miss Miss Biggs in that big room of little bitty chairs, and we'd all learn little songs. And uh, she was a very gentle, uh, nice lady. So she taught. She began teaching you Braille then. Yes. And uh, tablet and stylus, of course. Yes. I talked to a lady the other day that went in first grade. They started using Braille writers in the first grade. Mm. I couldn't believe that. I didn't see one until I got grown. Well, I didn't either. Certainly didn't own yeah. one. So then you went to, from there, you went across the patio to High First. Yeah. Well, uh, when I was there, it was called Pre-Primer, and I don't know why it was called that, but we had somebody named Miss Keeney, and 
I actually did those two grades in one year. Okay. And then the next year, I was in what we called the first grade, which was um, um, you say well, they actually had three grade levels uh, that had classes in Cottage K. Yes. And I was never in second grade because um, after I finished my first grade year, the legislature passed laws making schools 12 grades. And how they, the way they advanced us, or the way it worked was, if you were in first grade, you simply skipped second grade, which is what I did, and went to third grade. It was the same class that second grade was. It was just called third grade. Okay, but it was called third grade. But yes. it was, that was in the main building. Yes. Okay, but you spent one year or two years there in, in going to school in K. Two, because I did the first two. two in one year, and then one year. For and the then other. one year for the other. Did you have was Miss Haygood there yet? Well, Miss Haygood was my fifth grade teacher. She was your fifth grade teacher. Yes. Okay, so uh, let's see. Was Miss? Uh, uh, let's see. Was Miss Crouch wasn't there? Was she? No, didn't know she her. Wasn't there. Who, who did they have? Uh, who did they have in that second in that room across those rooms across the patio there? Well, there was Miss Keeney, and she didn't stay long. Uh, she taught the. The class after kindergarten, which, as I said, was pre-primer. Yeah. And um, she was a high-tempered lady. She was fond of uh, her form of discipline. I can say this now because she's long gone. Yeah. Was shaking. And uh, she shook me once, and that was quite enough. So, yeah. You, you, of course, the, the, you couldn't do that to a child now. No, you could not. And, and you shouldn't do that have to been. a child. You shouldn't have ever done that. I was absolutely terrified. Yeah. Because my parents didn't do that to me. Yeah. I got a spanking occasionally on the place that the Lord provided, yeah. but they didn't shake me. Well. And um, I never reported this to my parents because I figured my dad would uh, come down and and I would ultimately have even more trouble. I just wanted to forget about it. Yeah. So she only stayed a couple of years, and then the lady yeah. that was in the other class was Ms. Van Zandt, and she was, well, I loved her because I was her pet. Oh, really? Yeah. Little Martha was your pet? Yeah. Well, what, what, what did that, how did, did that, did you have advantages by being, tell us Not about. Not really. I was the smallest kid in the class, and I was the youngest kid in the class, and um, the only privileges that it entailed were that um, just spending time with her. I mean, she'd walk by and ruffle my hair or um, she'd let me give her a hug after class, that kind of thing. I, yeah. I certainly didn't uh, do any less work or anything like that. It was just, I just knew because she paid a lot of it. <laughs> well, you're probably a sweet kid. you you probably deserved all that. I tell you what, let's do. We'll we'll get you uh, up to the, uh, the the main building is what they called it at the School for the Blind in Austin. We'll get you there in just a minute. Take a short break. More blind like me. Hang on, just a minute. Blind sight. Here's a web. 
website, our crack research team certifies screen reader friendly. Now with this week's Blind Sight, here's Don Shaw. If you've already downloaded your speech-friendly, screen-reader-friendly e-text reader onto your computer and you just want to go and get some free e-books, we have found the place for you to go this week. This online book page has over 20,000 books, e-books, online. What a deal. Isn't technology great? And they're all for free. We are living in the information super express times, to say the least. That could sure keep a person reading a long time, couldn't it? Anyway, go and take a look at them. Go to www.onlinebooks.com. Dot edu. This website really has great search features. You can search for books by title, by author, even by subject. And since it's basically a text site, I will give it a screen reader friendliness rating of a 10. Until next time, I'm Don Shaw. Keep on blind sighting. If you found a screen reader friendly website you'd like us to mention, send your email to blindlikeme, all one word, at txucom.net. And join us again next time for Blind Sites. the second segment of our little show called Blind Like Me. I don't know why I yelled at you. Back. I always do that. I've got to stop doing that. <laughs> Martha, Martha Sargent uh, is our guest on Blind Like Me today, and she went to Texas School for the Blind, and you were the first one I've had on that was a, well, not the first one. I had some folks from Dallas, but you're the first one that went to the, started school for the blind about the same time I did, uh, even though we were eight years apart. We both had Iona Biggs, and we loved her. Yes. And she was our kind of our first grade teacher. So they took you to the main building, the third grade then. That was a that was a big step up for a little blind child at Texas school, wasn't it? Well it was because you had uh you lived I still lived in College K yeah. when I went to across the way to the main building to school. Yeah, down that long sidewalk. Yes. Uh and they, they And also at night, uh at that that time we had study hall at night. So yeah. I had to go over at night to study hall from oh probably seven thirty to eight thirty or something. Yeah. And then walk back to Cottage K uh, after study hall. Now the study hall in the main building. Yeah. Oh, no, we didn't have that. Wait, they had <laughs> they had abandoned that. So you would go to your classroom well, or your my classroom, and the whole class was present, and it was just like an extra session of school because everybody was in their classroom. And who was it? Was it, the teacher wasn't there though? The, no, they had. Um, who was there supervising? They had. Um, well, some of the the other teachers might have been there, but my first uh, study hall. Did you know Miss Parker, the librarian? Alula Parker, yes, I did. Absolutely ancient when is, I started to school there. Well, and, she was still there when I left, I think. 
Well, she was my first study hall person. Yes, I, I did know her. And um, I thought, my goodness, this is an old woman. Because she'd make us stop studying about five minutes early, and she would get us ready to leave the building because um, we were all little third-grade kids, and she would say, she would lecture us for a few minutes about, uh, now everybody has to do their part. I don't know exactly what that was. She never told us, but we knew we had to do it. You had to do your part. Yes. And so what she was trying to do, think about it, is get you out of the building as soon as she could. Right. So she could go home or go... So wherever. I don't... I think I don't, she lived on campus, so she could go back to her room. She may have at that time. I don't think she did later, but she was the she was the librarian. Uh, I'm, I'm almost positive. In, I left in 58. I'm almost positive that old woman was still there when I left as the librarian. My, and she was old when you came. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. So they did study hall, and then you'd walk back to Cottage K. And, and everybody uh, else, all the little kids were in bed, so I had to go... Or the ones of us that were involved, there were more than me, but we had to go to bed quietly and not disturb other people. Yeah, because they put you to bed in Cottage K at 7.30. That's correct. When when we went to study hall in the main building, all the other kids were going to bed. The rest of the kids go to bed. So that made you feel big. You got, yeah. you got to feel... And, and then I guess during the time you were in Cottage K, we may have to do two hours. You know what? As, okay. as long as I'm um, doing. Well, anyway, when you were in Cottage K, did they do you that dumb rest hour on Saturday afternoon? Yes, always. I never and slept. On Sunday afternoon, too. I never slept a wink. Oh, I never did either. I never slept. Nobody ever slept. They was just a, the only thing, reason they did that was to give the, the scout supervisor a little rest. That the person, the house supervisor, Miss, uh, Miss Bratton's the one that rested. Well, um, I never felt that they got much rest because they sat and watched us. And if you twiddled your thumbs or tossed and turned a lot, because um, in, in Cottage K, we were all, all the girls were in one door. Long, one long room. Yes. yes. So she just sat and watched us. And if you didn't comport yourself appropriately during rest hour, you were in trouble. And it was, all right, Martha. Yes, exactly. That's the that was the word. The words I dreaded. All right, Philip. Yes. And I dreaded those were the dreaded words. All they right, were. Philip. All right, Martha. And on Sunday afternoons, we went to um, the church service that was provided for the school. Yeah. And when we would line up to go to church, if you had done something bad, either during rest hour or whatever, I remember one occasion that Miss Bratton said. I have an announcement. The following people will go to bed after church and stay till supper. And I was one of them. Because you had... We'd already been in bed that quiet hour, that rest hour, but for punishment, we went to bed after church. You were going back to bed? Yes. Mm. Now, I thought it's that amazing. was bad. Well, it was. Or they, they, another little punishment they had, they made you sit by your bed. Then that, too. They made you sit by your bed. All right, I want to I wanna do this. Let me see if I can make this work for you. This, this is going to, if I can make this play, is going to bring back a memory or two. Listen to this. Just listen to this. See if it'll, see if it'll play. It's not going to play. Da, da, da. Let me see if I've done. 
How was that? Now, that was a boy's bell. That was a boy's bell, huh? Yes. Ours had a throatier, deeper sound. <laughs> that was the that was the boy's bell, was it? Yes. That's amazing. That's amazing <laughs> that you'd know that. That's a blind school bell if I ever heard one, though. It is. It we, really is. We use that on the front of our, of our, our blind handyman. Had ring, we ring that because I figure all blind schools had bells. We did, and ours was... Um, was a probably a bigger around and it had a deeper tone. Yeah. Uh, the girls' bell. I guess they thought we were hard of hearing. Well, you, you'd know the girls' bell from the boys' bell. Well, let's get you out of the. Let's get you on to cottage. You went to then you went to cottage uh, B. Uh huh. And you were in junior high. And who did was Miss Malmberg around it to during your your? Uh, she was there, but I didn't have her as a teacher. But, I had. I started out with Miss Rollins as fifth grade, and she left. Uh-huh. And then I had Mrs. Haygood. Uh-huh. And then in sixth grade, I had Nancy Smith. I didn't have her. She was gone. Oh, she was, um, again, an old lady. Yeah. <laughs> now, she, she, had, she, had, uh, she had gone by the time. Let me, yeah. let me just tell you a quick strange story. Okay. I live I live in Lufkin, Texas, and... I play a little music, and I play, was playing at a little restaurant, and this guy c- came up to me and said, uh, I, you're, you're Phil Parr. Well, yes, I am. He said, my mother was a teacher at the Texas School for the Blind back during the 40s and early 50s. Did you know her? Her name was Miss Haygood. And it was Miss Haygood's son, who is a band director in a, at the high school in Lufkin, Texas. Oh, how neat. Now, what are the chances of that happening? Cause Miss, Very small. Uh, Miss, Miss Haygood, although she failed me in the second grade, was a sweet, I thought, a sweet lady. Uh, very nice. D- did you like her? Did you? Yes, I did. I liked yeah. her really well. All right. So you went to sixth grade, and you had the dreaded Miss who? Nancy Smith. Yeah. And um, I, I mostly remember her because... Um, her children were boys. She was a widow and had raised two boys pretty much by herself. Yeah. Which is a, um, an admirable accomplishment, but well, yeah. she was partial to the little boys. Why and she now? She didn't care much for girls. And so she favored the, the little boys, and she gave you little girls a hard time, did she? Yeah, yeah. she kind of did. Oh, so you had her in, as your homeroom in the sixth grade. Yes. Bob Young wasn't there yet, I guess. No. Um, in seventh grade, I had Miss Peyton, and she was a sweet old uh-huh. lady. Yeah. Uh, we did European geography in her class, and World War II was drawing to a close. And I and one of my friends were vitally interested in um, what was going on in Europe, especially. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so... Um, we were very often asked to, when we had visitors, to, we had these huge maps that sat on a shelf up against the wall, and you could actually take the pieces out. They were made of wood, and she, when visitors came, would very often ask us to um, point out, you know, the progress of, of mm-hmm. the, um, the uh, Allied invasion of Europe and and you know, trace with our fingers on this map, and she was very proud of us. Yeah, they did. They had those maps that you could take pieces out of. Mm-hmm. They had uh, they had that wonderful map of the United States that you could look at the shape of all the states. Yes. I'd, I'd give a $1,000 for a map like that right now. 
Five thousand. I'd love to have a like that. I'd love to see one. You know, I, I mm-hmm. just, I just, I, I wonder if there's any place. Surely, some blind person will write us now or let us know now that you can. If they have one. Yeah, or that you can buy one. Or, yeah, you know. that'd be nice. Because it was so helpful to me to be able to take those states out and look at them, and I learned states and capitals, buddy boy. If you, if that comes up in trivia, I'm your man. Oh, me too. <laughs> uh, I remember when my son was learning states and capitals, and there was a little boy in his class that could not pronounce Michigan. He called it Michigan. Uh-huh. And we laughed about, and he also had trouble remembering the capital of Michigan. So we, my son and I had a good laugh about that. But I was yeah. um, a good teacher for my son when he did states and capitals. Because you, uh, you knew those. Oh, yes. So you... remember the map had a dot where the capital was? Yeah, and it was a rougher dot. It, it was. was. A, it was a big dot. It was a different sort of a dot, and then it had dots for the large cities, and it had grooves cut for the rivers. And little bumps for the mountains. Bumps for the mountains, and, and so, and they, but they weren't made of wood. They were made of some almost plastic or clay-like material. Now, Wallace, I mean, Philip. Yes, ma'am. I'm That's sorry right to call me Wallace. I don't mind a bit. <laughs> uh, the older ones that I started out with, were wood. Really? And they got those new ones that you're talking about a little bit later. So when I was studying this, they had some of both. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Yeah. I, if I'd known I wasn't ever going to see one, I'd have stolen one. <laughs> well, you would have had a hard time carrying it away on your back because they, they were big and heavy. They were big old things, and, they, and also we might as well talk about this. We also had another little thing at the School for the Blind called the Texas Slate which I have never seen one uh, since. I'd like to have one of those also. Oh, with the number with frame. The type that you did yeah. your math problem? We called them a number frame. Remember? We just called them a slate. Yeah. Anyway, they were they were big old heavy things with lead type, and you could fit these type in holes, and you could actually form the make the problem. Uh, and then you could do they all like down each side the ones twos threes fours and fives all were in rows long rows top to bottom down the left side six seven eight nine zeros were on the right side and in the middle was an open space where you'd put these numbers and you would arrange these numbers and make your your, your, your addition math yeah your math problem and the person it, the lady could uh, man could come around and look at and see what you'd what you were, how you were doing, and how you were, doing. and, and uh, I learned math, got very interested in math, learned to love it with those Texas slates. Oh yes, I understand they use abacus a lot now, but nobody uses those. But yeah, uh, in fact, my friend Don Shaw, who went to the, also went to the Texas School for the Blind, was taught an abacus. I never saw an abacus when I was a kid. Did you? I never did either. We had that uh, number frame or slate or whatever. Yeah. And boy, you big a stack of those. You knock a stack of those over. You made some noise, which we tried to do here once in a while. Oh well, our favorite thing was to get, uh, you know, to divert attention from whatever activity we were bored with, or just to create a diversion. We would. Uh, up end our slate on our desk. Uh, we called it dumping my slate. I dumped my slate. So they, then the whole everybody have to stop and help you pick up your type. Yeah. <laughs> you suppose the teachers long to get wise to that though. I was going to say you suppose they knew we were doing that on. on <laughs> it you suppose. didn't take long. Yeah. Well. Okay. So you got through high school. Who did you have in in high school? Was Mr. Tackard there by the time? Yes. You? He taught Spanish. Uh huh. And Miss Cartledge taught English. She was there. I remember Maud Cartledge quite yes. well. And um, Louise Hancock taught civics and government. And Mrs. Albright taught 
typing and commercial law and business math. I remember Ms. Albright, but I, I, Mrs., Mrs. Hancock was still there um, when I was there. Um, Mr. Tackard, and obviously Bob Young was there at some point in time. He was my eighth grade teacher. When you were in school, because my brother had a lot of problems with Oh, them. yes, he did. You know, I remember one time Wallace did something. Can I tell this story? You can. Yes, okay. ma'am. Wallace did something bad. I don't remember what it was. And the punishment that Mr. Young devised was that Wallace had to write something like 40 pages of I will not whatever he had done. I will not do it again, uh -huh. it was. Yeah. Well, Wallace was a bright kid, so he did about five pages and put on top. And he did about five more pages and put underneath, and the middle pages were blank. Uh-huh. Did it work? No. It did not work? It did not work. And I mm. cringed. I knew this was going to happen because blank paper feels different than paper that has Braille written on it. Yeah, he should have taken some Braille, some, some junk Braille paper or something. Well, I, he might have even gotten by with just Braille pages with anything written on it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, yeah. Uh, but this did not work, and he was in even more trouble. And I just <laughs> sat there and I just cringed for him because I think the punishment was doubled or something like that. It was really bad. Well, my mother's favorite story, and I don't know how she heard this, I guess my brother came home and told it was, uh, in in the South here they say, uh, I'm only, uh, uh, if, if someone is going to, 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 to take you in a car somewhere or walk with you somewhere, they say, I'm going to carry you, I'm going to carry, I carried her to the grocery store yesterday. Yeah. I, I went by that. and got, went by and got my mom and carried her to the grocery store. <laughs> well, some teacher, may have been Bob Young, said, uh, Wallace Parr, if you do that again, I'm going to carry you to the principal. And Wallace said, well, if we have to go, I think I can walk. <laughs> oh, I remember that. You know, Wallace had a smart mouth, Ooh. and I had a smart mouth. So. And um, there was one occasion where he hurt my feelings very badly. And I was the kind of kid, I, I really didn't like to be ugly to the to my friends, I, I was in trouble at home my whole childhood because of my mouth. But um, whatever it was, I just cried and cried and cried. And then when I got through crying, I thought... You got mad then, didn't you? I did. And I said, okay, Buster, all holds are barred. No holds are barred. You're going to get just what I can think of to say back to you every <laughs> single time. So, Wallace never again made me cry. But he didn't give up. No, and neither did I. So we had this running battle of who could think of the most mouthy things to say to the other one. That's good. Because he, Wallace had, he, Wallace had, uh, I remember we had an old house mother there named, she only stayed one year, and her name was Miss Jominetti. And at the end of the year, my clothes were all dirty and, and had holes in them, and my clothes were all... And my mother was, was arguing with this woman about about uh, my clothes and the shape they were in. And my brother was just standing there and said, You know, you're the rudest woman I have ever met in my life. Ms. Jominetti turned around and said, I beg your pardon. And Wallace said, Well, you should. <laughs> that sounds about right. Doesn't it? Doesn't it sound just like you? You know, when I started to school in Cottage K, the little kids, little girls wore uniforms. Really? And I was little. I was a tiny little girl. 
And the pattern they had, there was no uniform that fit me. And the first time my parents came to visit my mom, my mom was about 27 at the time, and she came and she said, why do you have on that dress? It doesn't fit you, and it's almost down to the floor. And I said, well, this is what I have to wear. And she said, you have enough clothes. And they would take our own clothes, uh, put them in a closet, and we never saw them until time to go home, but we had to wear the uniform. Yeah. So she was mad, and she went to see Miss Bratton, and Miss Bratton said, well, there's nothing I can do. Well, my mother went over to the office, and Mr. Allen had left for the day. Well, guess what my mom did? Went to his house, I hope. Yes, she did. And he dined out on this story for years. And his version was this uh, petite 27-year-old lady was standing on my doorstep demanding to come in. She wanted to talk to me about her child's clothes. So she got in there and she said, you know, she didn't object to my wearing the uniform But she did object to the fact that it did not fit well. And my mother was a seamstress, so she said, I can make these clothes that will fit my daughter, but she is not wearing these ill-fitting clothes. Are you there? Yes. Oh, so the compromise was that they gave her an old one of these uniforms that she could cut up and make a pattern, and she picked out prints that she liked. And the uniforms, I had to wear them, but they were my property. Uh huh. And they fit well. And they fit well. Yes. Well, if had more mothers done that, we might have gotten something done about that uh, awful regime there at the school for the blind. This is true. Uh, my mother, my mother, the, the new gym coach, Mr. Kuntz, took his foot and pushed me while I was laying on the mat, and he kind of bumped me with the end of his foot. Scared me. It didn't hurt. It just scared me because I didn't know it was coming. I told my mother about it, and she went off like a rocket. She went over and told him if he did that again, uh, he'd, he'd damn sure regret it. She went to W.E. Allen and said, I, you know, I went and jumped on Mr. Koontz, and if you let him do that again, you won't have him around to do it to anybody else. You know, uh, so. I later heard that he had a, an almost uncontrollable temper. He had a terrible temper. He, he was a nice fellow, but he had, a, he, had a, he had an awfully bad temper. Yes. I, I, I won't say I didn't like him, because I did. He was. I learned several things. I was in Boy Scouts with him, but he had an awful bad temper. And he had no business. Like Lena Lewis, I was an eye puncher. And Lena Lewis decided she was going to break me from eye punching. So if she'd catch me with my hands in my eyes, she'd throw water on me. And my mother told her, you will not do that to my blind child. He can't see that coming. He doesn't know you're going to do that. That's you, you, You're not going to do that anymore. Well... Um, back in Cottage K, we had some people that were called slippers. They'd take a little piece of paper and twist it up and flip it with one hand against the other hand. Yep. And there were some eye punchers. We had a lot of, of, of blindisms sure. um, that were, you know, they were trying to step out. And um, one of the eye punchers, um, they put... A bandage over her over this little girl's eyes. Really? And left it for several hours. And I guess eventually that worked. Eventually most no, blind... No, it really didn't. Eventually most blind kids quit doing that. They hit things on my fingers to keep me from, from punching my eyes. They did everything. Eventually, I guess I just quit. 
I don't know when I quit, but well, I'm, I'm, I was an eye puncher, and I remember when I quit, I made a conscious decision that I was going to stop. I was the one that she put the bandage on. I wasn't going to tell you that, really? but I. But that didn't help. You you it decided didn't yourself you made stop. me angry. Uh, I don't remember stopping punching my eyes. I remember doing it. I remember my mother developed a little signal. She could snap her fingers, and I knew to take my hands out of my eyes so she could keep talking. Because she was a talker. My mother yeah. was. My parents had a signal, too. I don't remember what it was, but I remember that they had one. And if I ignored it, they would walk over. Whichever parent would just walk over and, and quietly move my hand. Yeah. I tell you what, anything. it was done gently. But. We've uh, we've only gotten you. We've got to reminiscing here. Like I said, we could do two hours and talking about the blind school, and uh, we've got ten or twelve minutes left. We better take a little break, and then we need to get you to college and talk about your life as an adult. Because the blind school was really a very small part of your life. But we've uh, we've talked we've about spent it. Spent a now. lot of time on it. Well, <laughs> those people who haven't been haven't experienced it, maybe learn something. Well, it's it's our school, and it's the place we win, and then we have lots of Texas listeners. We have lots of folks who listen in Texas that can relate uh, to the Texas School for the Blind. Let's let's take this little break, and back in just a minute with more of our show called Blind Like Me. Blind Information Technology Specialist is a not-for-profit organization which fosters the career development of blind computer professionals, promotes the use of computer technology by blind persons to improve the quality of their personal and professional lives, and advocates for improved information access for all visually impaired people. BITS is an affiliate organization of the American Council for the Blind, established in 1969, it is an organization of blind data processing professionals and other people interested in promoting the use of computers by the blind. BITS members represent a broad spectrum of interest and professional experience. They can be found doing a w wide variety of jobs in all levels of data processing, including computer programming, systems analysis, management, and computer instruction. They hold positions in government, education, nonprofit agencies, and private businesses of every size. The members use many kinds of hardware and software. They work with personal computers, mini computers, mainframe computers, and supercomputers. They also use programming languages, commercial computer software packages, and a broad range of adaptive equipment and software. For more information on BITS, contact the American Council for the Blind or visit them on the Internet at acb.org. On the Blind Side, I'm Mark Christie. On the Blind Side, celebrating the contribution of blind people to societal evolution. We're back with uh, our final segment of Blind Like Me, and we're talking uh, with Martha. Uh, she, you were Martha Sanders as a child. You were Martha Sargent now, and uh, you're not Martha Stewart. We know that. 
<laughs> make that mistake. And uh, uh, you you went to uh, tell us about your college years. Uh, where did I you? I attended North Texas State University, which is the place to go if you're musical. And it was back in the fifties, also. And there were a lot of differences in college and the school for the blind. The first one I noticed was way more freedom. Oh yeah. Didn't have a, a curfew. I mean, we had a curfew, but it was generous, comparatively speaking. Sure. Um, I had a reader who read uh, material that that had to be read aloud, or who read um, who read. Um, There's uh, another clock. Like if I needed to do homework. Uh-huh. Um, that that this person would read it to me um, or or write down what I directed. Uh And I had one who read my non-musical classes and then one who read my musical classes. Okay. And I tried to pick somebody that was in my classes, so the, the result was they got paid for doing their studying. Yeah, so they'd at least they'd know a little bit about what you were studying, uh, and also they'd get paid for doing their own work, wouldn't they? Right. Now, you decided early on, so you you studied a lot of music at the blind school also. Yes, I did. Down in that far end of the building where every where they had a jillion little rooms, little practice rooms with pianos. Oh, yes. It was wonderful uh, at that time. Did Miss King, did she stay long enough to teach you piano? Yes, she did. She was my first piano teacher. Is that right? And um, then I, I started this in something like third grade. Uh-huh. And... I had piano lessons all the way through the rest of school, and I had to do a senior recital in order to graduate. Yeah. And you participated in the Christmas pageant and the closing concert and uh, all those programs that they had uh, in the yes, big auditorium. Yes, in, in orchestra and string ensemble and lots of things like that. Yeah. And so, and you went to you, you went to North Texas. Do you say North Texas State? Yes. And uh, is that that's uh. Is that is that a co-ed college? Yes. It is, isn't it? Yes. Um, and so you studied music, got a degree in... Music education. Music education, a four-year degree yes. in music education. Of course, you had to give a lot of recitals in college and things like that, right? Yes. And just incidentally, um, being totally blind, one of the earliest things that happened in college... Uh, was obviously I couldn't use a reader for the for the applied music like playing the piano and stuff like that. Well, yeah. So um, I bought and or borrowed a lot of music because one of the things that has been good for many years is the selection of classical music that is available in Braille. Really, I didn't know that. So there, so that, was, that was not a problem. I was able to, to get the music. That but, of course, anything you play, you have to memorize. Yes. Whereas a sighted, can a sighted person that's doing a recital in college sit there and sight read that music or have uh, prompts? They probably can. At the time I was there, uh, they didn't usually. It was usually memorized. But now um, there's a lot more sight reading going on among sighted students. 
Yeah, but uh, but you and you memorized everything you did, and uh, and and uh, we're glad to do it. I mean, that yeah. was that was you were interested in music. Did you play any other instruments besides piano? I played violin and the organ. You played violin. Yes. My heavens, were you good at it? Oh, fairly good. I was good enough to be in in string ensemble, which was a a, a um, small group. We did performances all over town. Uh-huh. You talking about the, at the blind school or at North Texas? At the school for the blind. So, so in the string ensemble, well, violin is a pretty tough. You know, with piano, the note is there. All you have to do is find it and strike it and right. play it. With violin, you have to make the note and bow the note, and there yes. are no frets or anything to guide you. This is correct. I've got one, but I sure can't play it. <laughs> <laughs> They're they're tough. Uh, they're, they're, there are people who just take to them who can just, uh, you know, and I guess you were probably one of those. Well, I, I guess so. I uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. Now, is your only interest in music classical, or do you like some contemporary music? Oh, no. I like all kinds of music. Yeah. Every year I do a um, musical tape, and I usually, I have been doing tapes. I haven't done CDs so far, but... Uh, I do this in lieu of a Christmas card, and it's a 30-minute tape, uh, and it's a major ego trip because it's music that I play, and uh-huh. it's all popular music or, uh, you know, contemporary music. Can you put me on your list? I can do that. Well, do, do you duplicate the tapes then? You you make uh, copies yes. of them? Uh-huh. I do a master tape and then, then do copies. And last year I sent out 120. So you made those copies yourself? Yes. We're going to have to have a long talk about CDs, you know. Yes, we are. Um, I um, Are you familiar with the Plex Talk? Sure. That, that, um, I have that, but I think that's not going to work for doing... Wait, 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 wait. You bought the, the... We're talking the 900 and something dollar yes, expensive yes. Plex Talk. You, you bought that? Yes. Yes, ma'am, it will work. Oh, yes, ma'am, it will work. We, we'll talk about that off the show. I know okay. somebody that's got one, and yeah, I'd, I'd love to. I'd, 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 I say I can't afford one. If I wanted one, I'd just order it. I'd well, just... that's what I did. I, I made noises about I can't afford this, and I finally decided, what the heck, I'm going to do it. There are, just, there are so many other things ahead of that that yeah. I, I want to buy. That, uh, that Plex Talk, yes, ma'am, that'll do exactly what you want done. When we get through here, we'll, 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 we'll discuss that. I may even run copies for you i won't commit yet but i might do it oh that'd be nice uh, I, well I, I, I might if you buy the cds i might run the oh, copies I'll for certainly you do that. I've, I've got two or three computers i can run them fast Ooh, that's uh, good. but anyway you so you graduated college and then what did you decide to do then well i applied for jobs at um public schools and at schools for the blind and um this was before uh the civil rights movement so Superintendents could tell me with impunity yes. that they don't have to hire me because I was blind, and they did. And one day I got really depressed about this, and when I depre- get depressed, I usually get mad following, so that's when uh-huh. I get a lot done. Okay. And I said, I'm, I'm not going to talk to any more school superintendents. I'm going to open my own studio, and that's what I did. And this was in what year? 1954. And so we are actually, we could say we are celebrating the 50th anniversary of your independent music teaching this year, aren't we? 
Yes, in September I will have been teaching for 50 years, and I'm going to have a party. Would you like to come? I sure would. I would love to come. And you, I will send you an invitation. And you've done this on your own. You've done yes. this independent of anyone else. It, did you say, did I, I think we talked the other day, you said something about you ran an ad in the paper? That's how I used to get students at first was advertising in the newspaper. And I've been in Austin for a lot of years, and one of the good things that happens if you stick with what you do and if you're fairly good at it is that the word-of-mouth type advertising is free. Sure. And I get a lot of that. I also have a sign that we put out in the yard, like a, a real estate realtor sign, you know, um, uh-huh. when I'm in need of students. And so it's funny. People watch, well, is there sign there or not? <laughs> and if That's I wonderful. have an opening, I put the sign out, and, and, you know, pretty soon I feel that. And it isn't very long. And, and you've never worked for a music company or a college or in anybody? I worked for a music store part-time, briefly. But at the same time I was doing that, I also had my own studio. So you always had my you have maintained your own studio ever since you decided nobody's going to hire me. I'll create a job myself. Yes, that's that's the way to do it. <laughs> I gotta I gotta admire you. That's uh, and so you, you you were able to stay home with your son. Well, I have two children, a son and daughter, and I I was able to be home. Which um, I haven't told you about the matriarch, but my mom had a teacher that she wanted me to study with one summer. And this lady taught at home, and every day her adult children used to check in on my telephone. Mm-hmm. And I thought, hey, this is pretty neat. I could do this. I don't want to run my children's lives, but I could teach at home. And I was about 16 when I decided I could do this. Mm-hmm. And it's worked. Yes. And it's worked. So you were able to stay home, and you were able to, you you could go in and start some supper, and then go teach a music lesson or two, and go back and finish, and and uh, obviously it's worked out. Yes, I prided myself when I was raising my children. They never had to wait longer than half an hour for a meal after my last student. Because <laughs> mom was a lot of planning yeah. and a lot of you know. Sometimes I would mix up a casserole and stick it in the fridge, and then just go uh, put it in the oven. Uh, at the right time, so that it would come out when it was time to eat. We are we are getting close to the end here. Let me just ask you this one question: Have you ever had anyone say, "Well, how are you going to teach me anything? You can't see." Oh yes, that's happened. Yes. What is your standard retort? Well, um, the time it happened, this lady. Uh, her husband was an employee of the Commission for the Blind, and when she realized I was blind, and I never tell people that I am in the initial interview. No point. Um, and uh, when she came in and realized that I'm blind, she said, uh, I need to take my little girl to the car and talk to her. I said, no. You may ask your child in my presence if she would be comfortable studying with a teacher who is blind. Well, that got her attention, I can tell you. You're and that's the a gutsy only lady. time I've ever yeah. had this happen. The only time in 50 years you've ever yes. had this happen. Well, that's uh, that's amazing. I would have thought it would it would have happened more often than that. I guess uh, people figure if you've got the nerve to set up a studio and you think you can do this, let's give you a chance. And so you did it. 
I've had a few parents that would say the first lesson, well, I want to stay with my child during this lesson. And the, the obvious reason was they wanted to see if I could do it. What would you say, no? No, I said fine. Fine, sit down, but you, but you can't talk. Yes. You're telling me you can't talk. Exactly. All right. We we have uh, you and I could spend a lot of time talking, and we may someday sit down and uh, have a drink and, and visit a good while. Well, uh, uh, it would be nice to stay in touch. It, it would be, and I, I intend to. Let me sign off here, and I want to talk to you about your Plex Talk. Okay. And uh, our guest has been Martha Sargent, lives in Austin, Texas. If you want to take, are you still teaching? Yeah. Any of you folks live in Austin want to give your kids music lessons, uh, give her a call. Look for her. To find her. Do you have a, you have a, uh, a phone number you want to give or an email yes, address? 512-292-0872. Anybody wants to take music lessons in Austin, Texas, I've never met her, but I recommend her. All right? We'll be back. Uh, well, I guess this is it, so we'll sign off and see you next week. And uh, I don't know who our guest will be, but uh, you've certainly been uh, interesting and informative, and I've enjoyed it very much. Well, I've enjoyed it, too. What an interesting lady, Martha Sargent from Austin, Texas. Don't forget about our little gathering that we're trying to put together in November. It is going to be the first or second week in November in Houston, Texas. And if you'd like to come and you'd like more information, email me at my home address, philpar at txucom.net. And I will put you on the list. And when we get more information, we'll send it to you. And that's all we ask. We're not going to pressure anybody to come. But if you think you might enjoy that, just send me an email and I'll put you on our list. philpar txucom.net. And we'll send you information on our little gathering coming up, hopefully, celebrating the 50th anniversary, or the 100th show, rather, the 100th show of The Blind Handyman. That'll be sometime in November. PhilPartyXUCOM.net. If you want to be on the show, same address would be good. Huh? See you next week. More of The Blind Like Me Show. Thanks. Yeah.